Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IGA nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Natasha Monk, your stoma acceptance queen. She's advocating body acceptance and raising awareness about IBD and ostomies. She's here today to share her 20-year journey with Crohn's disease and endometriosis. Thank you so much for joining me today, Natasha, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. It's such a pleasure to have you. So you really just hit your 20-year mark battling Crohn's disease. Let's, Let's go back to those early days of your journey. And can you start us off by sharing when and how you were first diagnosed? The Crohn's actually came really sudden, actually, because um, I was in my summer break from college. I went to the cinema with my friend and I had some nachos. I, like, I call it fake cheese. I had that. And the next day I was I went home and I was just diarrheaing for, I would say, about a week, I would say. We thought it was just food poisoning, first of all. Then, obviously, because it went on for the whole week, mum took me to the doctor's. They said it might be a virus, so he sent me home. So he said to drink more fluids because I was quite ill as a kid, so... It used to take me a long time to get over things. So he just thought it was a virus. But obviously then it went on for like three, four weeks. So my mum was like, no, there's something's wrong. So he took me back to the doctor. Straight away, the doctor sent me for a um, colonoscopy. And then that's when they discovered that I had the Crohn's disease. It was quite quick. Yeah, they sent you in right away and got the colonoscopy. Yeah. Because I know some people it can take ages. With me, it was in less than two months, which was quite good because I was starting uni in September and I got diagnosed in August. So what happened? What happened at that point? They diagnose it. Did they start you on treatments at that point? Yeah. So when they first diagnosed me, I was on Pentassa. I was on four tablets twice a day. Yeah. And how did that help? Did Was that able to keep you into remission for a while? or? Yes. I wouldn't say I was in remission, but I, I, at the same time, I wasn't flaring badly. It was quite like a mild flare. And I managed I managed that for quite a few years. So 2014 when I was diagnosed and I managed that until 2010. It's amazing how we can go from like really bad flare-ups to just kind of mild flare-ups like you're saying. And then we think all of a sudden that that's better. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's mild, but we deal with it. Because I didn't really know much about the Crohn's, the Crohn's then. And no one really explained it. I just knew it was something to do with the gut. So to be honest, I wasn't the best at taking my medication. And I was just concentrating at university then, so I didn't really pay attention to the illness back then. So talk to me about what happens next. So you get through university, you're able to somewhat manage the symptoms, and then how does your journey progress from there? So in 2010, I was on the pill actually then, and I came off the pill. Within a week, my Crohn's just flared straight away. I started um, bleeding from the back passage, like very heavily, like worse than a period. But I'm quite a person that, that sometimes will gaslight myself to think, oh, it's going to get better. So I should have gone to doctor hospital quick, quicker. But I was bleeding from the back passage, I would say, for about two weeks. Then my husband rushed me into the hospital. And um, while I was in there, I ended up passing out in the hospital toilet. I hit, all I can remember is hitting my head. And then I woke up. And I remember, because my legs are quite long, I put used my leg to press the emergency alarm. And I remember everyone, and then all I can remember is everyone shouting my name and putting an oxygen mask on my face. Until now, they don't know why I was bleeding so heavy from my back passage because they couldn't do a colonoscopy because I was so inflamed. So, yeah, that's where it started getting worse from then, since 2010. So what happened during that hospital visit? Were they able to do anything different? No, I had to just go. They just put me on steroids 
because they didn't couldn't see see why I was flare why I was bleeding because obviously they couldn't do a colonoscopy. So I was just on a lot of steroids then. Is this about the time when your endometriosis journey came into play? No, I have my endometriosis journey is only very new. So I was officially diagnosed with endometriosis in 2020. But um, after reading my record medical notes, I realised that I had, they suspected I had it in 2017, but no one told me. Okay, so let's rewind a little. So you're in the hospital 2010. Is that when you passed out in the hospital? Yeah. They couldn't really do anything on steroids, couldn't do a colonoscopy. You're so inflamed. Yeah. What happens from there? After that, I got sent home on steroids. And I was on and off steroids for years. So I just kept flaring. Eventually, I can't remember exactly what year it was. It might have been 2011 or 2012. I was put in Hemera. Then that was, it's, that's an injection you take every t- every two weeks. I believe you, I was taking it, yeah. Did that help the symptoms? No. Not at all? That didn't. And when I used to take it, I used to inflame in the area really badly and itch. And on, I was on that for two years, I would say, on and off. But I kept flaring all the time in between. Did they eventually try something else after that? I was in Hemera and steroids on and off for, t- for about a few years. When they realised Hemera wasn't working, and that's just before I had my ileostomy. That was in 20... Oh, sorry, 2014, yeah, because I was diagnosed in 20... 2003, sorry. So 2014 was when I had the ileostomy, sorry. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes like, the journey is so complicated to forget the dates. I know. Yeah. I've I've done the same thing in my journey trying to retrace the steps. And it's like, was that yeah. this year or the next year? Yeah. So what was the catalyst for getting that ileostomy? What kind of led up to that? I was flaring really bad. Like, I went into hospital for an outpatient appointment. And my just doctor looked at me and she was like, no, I can't send you home. I'd lost so much weight at that point. I lost about two stone, I would say. And I, I wasn't sleeping. All I was doing is crying basically all the time because I was just constantly feeling sick and fatigue and I wasn't eating. I barely could eat like a baby plate of food. So when I went into the outpatient appointment, she looked at me and she was like, no, I'm sending you to the doctors and the hospital. But I was in a different hospital that time for my outpatient. They transferred me to my main hospital. I was in there for about two days and they said that your my bowel was so like about to erupt, basically, perforate. And then that's when they rushed me in two days later for the ileostomy. And did you have any idea what an ileostomy was, was going to mean for your life? Had you even considered that before or was it was this completely new? So I did know, yeah, so I did know what it was because I, I did ask them for it previously. They told me, no, they wanted to try me on Himera first. So I knew what it was. Um, so I wasn't shocked when it did happen, but it was quite quick when it happened, like two days they were like, you're having it. Get in and get it done. Yeah. So how did your life change after that surgery? Did it make things better? I would say it was better than going to the toilet 20 times a day. But I was still having a lot of issues with my ileostomy, first of all. I had a lot of adhesions behind my ileostomy. And I had a narrowing in stoma as well. So I had to have quite a few procedures to stretch the stoma. And then because I had such a big operation with my ileostomy, they didn't want to go in and remove the adhesions. So I was having a lot of pain on my right side of my ileostomy every time it would poo. And then also, my even though before I had a little bit of crazy in my small bowel, it spread even more in my bowel, small bowel. So I had to have another operation. That was in 2017 to have some of my small, uh, small bowel removed. 
So yeah, it hasn't been easy. And then again, I had an offer my last operation in 2020 to have more of my small bowel removed. So yeah, it's not been <laughs> great. So that was just 2020. That wasn't that long ago in the last three years. From- my last one, yeah. My last one was just, yeah, my last one was 2020. And um, in that operation as well, 2020, I had to have my adhesions removed behind my small bowel. I had sepsis in my stomach as well, which they had to remove. And then that's when I was diagnosed with um, endometriosis. So did that last surgery help to bring the Crohn's under control? Was Yeah. I've never felt... I've never felt this good since I was even diagnosed. The last three years has been amazing. It really has. Are you on any additional medications? So I've been on um, Infleximab since 2015, on and off. But I was on five milligrams then. But because of the severity of my Crohn's, they've now put me on 10 milligrams. And I think that's what's helping as well. So, yeah, that's really helped. That's been my lifesaver. Infleximab, it really has. So your Crohn's kind of came under control after that 2020 surgery, yeah. new medications, but that's also when you were diagnosed with endometriosis. Yeah. How did those two affect your day-to-day life? How did endometriosis fit into that picture? Yeah. So when I, before I was even diagnosed with endometriosis, I had this like big flare in July 2020. I thought I was having a miscarriage, to be honest. The pain I was in, it was that bad. I was my husband was like, What's going on? Like he'd never seen me even with my crows, he'd never seen me scream the house down like that and rolling on the floor crying. So I'd I I just assumed all these years that I noticed my period had changed for a while. I would say since twenty eighteen I noticed my period had changed, but it was more heavier. I was having leaks from my clothes like when I was at work. And it was more irregular as well. But I just thought it was my crones affecting it, because I didn't really know anything about endometriosis then. It's only after like I've been seeing more people on social media talk about it, especially women who've got IBD as well. So that's how I got to know about endometriosis. But I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't realise that's what it was until, obviously, I had the operation. They told me that they had to do laparoscopy and they saw a cyst on my right ovary and it was endometriosis. What did they do to treat that? Were you able to get relief from? Because I know endometriosis can be incredibly painful and yeah. debilitating just the way that Crohn's can be. Yeah, it can be. I feel, um, I think, because mine, mine's not that severe, so they say it's about level one. So July 2021, I had an operation to move my cyst on my left ovary. But because I had such so many adhesions still in my pelvis, they couldn't get to it. So they ended up removing their adhesions and not doing the operation. So February last year, I had a scan and they found out I actually have a cyst on my left and right ovary and fibroids. Since then, I've not heard from anyone. That's how bad it is, the, the treatment, the getting hold of it, anyone in the NHS thing. I haven't had not heard from no one at all since then. That's almost a year. Yeah, luckily, more than a year, yeah, because it's February. It was not just February, this February, it was February before. So it's more than a year, yeah. Luckily, my, my endometriosis is not severe like most people's are. Mine only flares when my period starts or like a few days before I might have some symptoms. But when it start, when I have it, it's, it's like it's up and down. Like some months, I'll be really bad. I'll be like on the floor crying. I'll be having to take a tens machine, paracetamols, hot water bottle, all at the same time. And other months, it'll be just really mild. It just depends, really. Like last month, I was in really bad pain, but the month before that, I was fine. Is there a correlation between Crohn's or IBD and endometriosis that you know of? No, they're not saying that there is, but I've noticed that there's a lot more women 
who I've been diagnosed with both. So I feel like there is, but I, I'm not yeah. professional. So me neither. What do I know? <laughs> me neither. <laughs> so what do you what do you do since you're not able to get in to the hospital or see a doctor when the pain is that bad? Do you have any tips or techniques for managing the pain when the endometriosis hits that bad? Yeah, when it's that bad, normally I'll take my tent machine, my some strong paracetamol, hot water bottle, and sometimes I'll have a hot bath as well. That's all I can do, really. Normally, it's the first three days that are bad, and after that, it settles down. And does it seem to affect your IBD at all, or does that stay in remission even when the endometriosis flares? No. So I noticed, like, maybe, uh, I would say about four days before my period starts, my bag will, will produce a lot of water, more than normal. Like, yesterday, I had that issue yesterday, so I had to take loperamide to try and thicken it up. Because when it gets really watery, it can re- go down the back of your stoma and irritate your skin. So I noticed that beforehand, but that I've noticed that for years that I used to do that since I first had my stoma. Let's talk about your stoma and having the ostomy. What are some of the things that you've noticed that you've had to change in your life, your diet? Have you had to adjust what you eat or how does that kind of play into your life? Yeah, so I think definitely with ileostomy, you definitely need to change your, your diet, but it's better than it used to be. Before I had the stoma, I wasn't eat. I would have times where I wouldn't even want to eat anything because I was so worried about it's going to flare. So I would be eating like toast and that's it, barely. And I could barely eat that because I didn't have the energy to eat. But now it's much better. Like um, I can eat salads, but not often. If I eat salad, I have to eat it only when I'm at home because it can make my stomach very watery. Sweet corn, I don't eat. I've just recently started eating bounty because I wasn't eating that coconut for a while as well because that used to block my stomach. So I've started to like reintroduce little bits even years later now. I'm just starting to still introduce stuff. But yeah, it's much better than it was before, definitely. It's nice to enjoy food again. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is mental health, because I noticed on one of your Instagram posts, you mentioned that your 20-year journey has been mentally and physically draining, a roller coaster of just mental and physical emotions. So can you talk about your mental health over the years and what's gotten you through the tough times? Yeah, I feel like mentally for years it's been horrible and I and I, I feel like I was masking it a lot for a long time and I think because now I've been on mission for the last three years I feel I started addressing it more and realised how much I was masking for so long because I was battling my illness I just like sort of like put it back in my mind but yeah, I would have times where I would just sit in the bath and cry and wish I, would, I was dead already. I just I would sit there and wish that Crohn's would kill me because I had enough. Or I would have a leak like four times in one night and I would just sit on the toilet crying my eyes out. And my husband would come in and say like, what's, what's happening? And I would tell him and he'd have to hu- hug me. It's, 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 it's definitely, I would say, for all the symptoms, I think the mental health side is probably the worst when it comes to Crohn's having to deal with. And when you're on, I was on and off, off steroids a lot of times as well. So steroids can make your emotions go all over the place. And it's really important, like when you're in that state, that you have someone supportive because even though it was my, not my husband's fault, because my, my emotions are all over the place, we used to argue a lot. So it was, it's hard for them as well, as, as well as yourself. What do you think helped you to get through some of those those tough emotions, the tough times, even with your husband too? How did you both work together to get through the challenging points? To be honest, I don't even know how myself I got it through it, to be honest. I really don't. I think because I've had a lot of, I had a lot of challenges in my childhood as well. Maybe I think that's maybe that's what type of person I am, maybe got me through it. But 
honestly, I, sometimes I don't even, I think back now and think, oh my God, how did I even get through that? I really do. So I wish I could say, oh yeah, I did this, I did that, but I don't even know how my, I did it myself. Just pure determination to get, <laughs> keep going through. Yeah. Because there was times that I just, I, I would think uh, I would do this. I would think oh, I could kill myself this way and just end it because I had enough. I, I did have times like that where I thought about it. I wasn't strong enough to do it, but that's what I thought about at the time. So, yeah, I don't know if you know how I got through it sometimes. I really don't. Did you lean on your husband during those times? Yeah, so I've been with my husband um, since 2007. So just uh, not that, a few years after I got first diagnosed. So, yeah, he's always been there for everything. I think having a community is so incredibly important, especially for times like that when you just yeah. when you're at such a low point and things look really yeah. dark. It's hard to get it's hard to get through. That's why I talk a lot about my clones on social media because I've been there where I felt lonely, like I didn't have anyone. And it's all good to have a partner and that that's supportive, but they don't really understand because I haven't got the illness. So that's why I talk a lot about it on the social media. So people who are in the same position as me can have someone there to talk to. Yeah. It's, it is hard to truly understand unless you've been through it. Yes. I know that a lot of, you know, even my husband, like I don't share him, everything with him because a lot of it, I think yeah. for so many of us, for many years, we just, we hold a lot inside and it's, we put on the smile and we just find a way to get through the yeah. day. And so True. they don't see a lot of it. And it's, it's truly, I think it's hard to comprehend unless you've gone through it. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. So let's. Talk about before you got your ostomy. Some of the do you have any tips or tricks? Things that you would do when you would go through the flare-ups. I know you said for a lot of times that your disease was it wasn't in remission, but you were the flares were more mild. mild so how yeah. did you get through the days like that when you weren't a hundred percent feeling great, but you were able to kind of go through the motions? Do you have any tips or tricks? Because I had that mind, I had that, I had that mindset to like mindset because I thought if I, I might flit any time just trying like, to live my life as much as I can do what I can do as much as I want because I don't know when it would ever flare you know Crohn's is so unpredictable I, and for me whenever I flit it would come on so quick like within a few weeks out of nowhere it would do so sometimes so I'll just try and just do as much as I, I could but sometimes for me I would say if my work, advice would be don't do what I do because sometimes when I'm not flaring, I do too much and don't realise the stress that it's putting on my body. So I would say try and live your best life as much as possible, but don't overdo it. I would definitely say that. Have you learned to balance that over the years, knowing that that was a pattern? Did you ever get to a point where you'd start to recognise I'm doing too much? No, it's, I'm the worst person to, for that. Like I would just do too much and just carry on. And I've, I just recently left my work in February because I at, like, first time I said, look, I need to concentrate on myself and look after myself. So February was the first time I've actually sat down and like took a breather like that and thought about everything. That's why I ended up taking myself to therapy as well because I had a lot of things that I was going through like I didn't really never address because I was just overdoing everything all the time. But yeah, February was the first time I've just sat down and thought, wow, everything I went through. How has that affected your life, being able to finally put yourself first, focus on really reflecting on what you've gone through? And then you mentioned yeah. therapy. What's what's all that done for you over this past year? I feel like it's like a it has been like a healing moment for me because I've been able to cry properly. I was that type of person for a, long, a while that like, wouldn't really much cry because I thought, I don't, 
actually yeah, I did feel like I didn't want to be a burden actually that's why I didn't really cry a lot and I used to cry maybe by myself but now I just feel like I don't need to hide them emotions anymore if I need to cry I just cry I've been through a lot should not hide the emotions yeah I was like that for a long time I feel like all I feel like all growing up I was like that and I think it's hard because I grew up in like a fa- family very emotionally <laughs> there so I was like that as well because of that so it's been it's been hard to try and like let go and be emotional because it's okay to be. So are you finding a way now in your life to balance work, stress, emotions? You said you left your job in February. Are you doing anything now or are you 100%, 100% focused on yourself? Yeah. Yeah, so since February, I've not been doing anything. I'm not going to tell you. I've been so lazy. I went on holiday to New York. That was my first holiday I went to since I, um, for 12 years. Yeah, because I've been so ill with my Crohn's. That was my first holiday, so that was nice. And the first travel. So I wanna do I wanna travel start travelling a bit more now. Cause I've not been able to do it for so long. But I've, to be honest, I've not been doing much. I've just been chilling and just taking time for myself and not doing anything for once. That's good. Your body needs it. <laughs> yeah. It does, really does. It took you a long time to listen to your body, but Yeah, I know. Way too long. But now you are. That's good. That's good. So let's talk about your Instagram. You are you're the stoma acceptance queen. You're advocating <laughs> body acceptance. How did that journey get started for this advocacy? I The reason I started it is because I was in hospital for, with quite a few patients who had stomas. Women my age and older, and they would say to me, oh, I don't know, I, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to cope when I go, come out. I can't show this to anyone. Someone might see it. They just make comments like that to me. And... Uh, then I saw more people like me having somers showing it on social media, and that's when I decided to start doing it as well. I thought there's so many women out there that have got somers that are probably ashamed of showing their body because they think it's something to be ashamed of, which is really not. It saved our lives. Uh, the, the position I was in before my soma was horrible. Going to the toilet twenty times a day, I couldn't really go out anywhere. So that's why I decided to start to show show my soma and say, look, it's the time we accept it because this is what saved our lives. What has the response been like? Because you've grown quite a, a following, showing and yeah. the acceptance. And what's that kind of been like to, to see that? Oh, it's been really good. So um, two months ago, I was out with my friend in Tesco's and some woman recognised me. It, it melted with my heart. She was like, oh, my God. She goes, I had a stoma. I was going to get a reversal. Because I saw your social media, I t- decided not to get a reversal and just accept my stoma. And even my friend, my friend was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> That's what my friend said. I said, I said to her, that is so sweet. Stuff like that is not what I do it. Why I do it to see people like looking at me and thinking, "Oh, I, if she can accept it, I can." It's so nice to see stuff like that. It really is. Did you have any challenges at first accepting your stoma when you had first gone through the through the surgery? I accepted my stoma instantly because obviously I told you before I did want it before, didn't I? But um, it was hard getting to used to used to like changing it. Having to deal with like leaks, stuff like that, and blockages, that was really hard. So that sort of altered my acceptance of it because of, of the, so much issues I was having. But I never like hated my body or wasn't confident in my body because of it. It was just the issues that came with having a stoma. And then is that what prompted you to to want to share about it and, and really help others have that same acceptance? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because... Because even though I had my partner, I felt alone quite a lot of time because of the issues I've had. And luckily, I've got a stoma nurse. So if I have any issues, I could call her. But I know some people in some other countries, they don't have a stoma nurse. They're just left to their own devices. So I think it's 
having a page like mine, I think it's important because I, I, I'm there to ask any questions anyone wants to ask me about my story, mine, what life it is like about with it. How common is that? Have you found that a lot of people have a stoma nurse or are they lacking a stoma nurse and the support that they need? So in the UK, everyone normally has access to a stoma nurse. But I've noticed people like some like America, they don't always have access to that because they've got to get insurance and insurance doesn't cover that. So yeah, I see. I noticed that in America, they, a lot of people don't have them. Do you have a lot of people in the US reaching out, asking yeah, questions so- and learning about their stoma? I think it's like equal, actually, UK and America, yeah. And I've got a few people, in, maybe two people I follow it from Canada. Yeah. Good, good. What's been the most surprising or rewarding thing that you've found from sharing your IBD story online and stoma acceptance, your ostomy acceptance? I feel like there's the stigma around stomas is getting much better than it used to be. Like you're seeing more people on social media modelling their stoma and stuff like that. So I think acceptance is getting much better because... When I first had it in 2014, I hardly saw anyone on social media talking about their stomas. Now I see so many people, men and women. It's Yeah, it is wonderful to see that. Even just talking about IBD in general, social media, I think, has been huge for spreading awareness. And just as you're saying, one person will see another person being proud of a, a stoma or sharing yeah. information about a disease, and it sparks another person to share it. And so it's really opened up the conversation. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So yay social media for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why when people say to me sometimes oh, they don't like social media, it's negative. I say, but there's other sides to it as well. Like people like me who are sharing their story and getting it across to the work, to the world or whoever small percentage of people are following me. Even that, if it gets across 20 people, it's something. It is. It's all about how you use it. It can be a great tool. Exactly. We've covered your story, advocacy, what's something that we haven't talked about today that you want to share with our listeners? I would say that um, one thing I feel like needs to just more in the um, OSME and IBD community is getting mental, mental health um, before you get even get a stoma. I feel like no, no one really gets any help before they even get a stoma, to be honest. I didn't get any mental health help before. Obviously, I was told two days before, and I actually just come to terms with that on my own. I feel like that we need more mental health when it comes to um, IBD and having stomas, definitely. I agree for sure. So if people want to follow you, watch your journey, follow you online, where can they do that? So a lot of people follow you on my TikTok, which is Natasha Monk underscore one. And my Instagram is at the same title as well. What do you like better? Do you like uh, the TikTok or the Instagram? Have you noticed? TikTok, because TikTok, there's more interaction. And people ask me more questions. Instagram, they don't really ask much questions. TikTok, they can ask you questions and you can reply to the questions with a video, which and that gets across to more people. Very nice. I have not jumped into the world of TikTok yet. Yeah, I prefer TikTok. I really do because, like I said, there's more people to reach. It's much better. Before we wrap up, is there any last words of advice that you want to share with the community? I think we've covered quite a lot, actually, everything about my journey and that. I think we have, haven't we? We have. We have. So, yeah. Well, it has been wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey and tips and tricks along the way. No worries. It was nice you invited me so I could tell my story. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me A Coffee link to send a little love or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. 
If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.